This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. From Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Thank you, Father. He says, Behold, I give to you, or I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. Hallelujah. As we go through life, you will recognize that for a child of God, the day you got born again, God settled it that you will be settled. The day you got born again. But the question you then ask me is that why is it I'm not settled? Why is it that there are areas of my life that are not exactly where God had wanted them to be? And the answer is very obvious because somebody is trying to stop you. Amen. And that somebody either walks through you, walks through other people, or walks independently. Walks through you by making you do what you should not do, and therefore you don't fulfill the conditions God wants you to fulfill to enter. Or you can walk directly, because it's the devil we're talking about now. Or you can use other people to try and stop you from entering to the promises that God has made for you. So, is God nothing? Actually, when we pray and say, Lord, do this, do that, more often than not, we need to be careful how we pray. Because when you start asking for something, God says, I've given it to you already. You understand that with me? So our greatest challenge, to be honest, is the enemy that stops us. Many a time, Lord, uh, bring revival. To be very, very honest with you, God is more interested in revival than you are. Because it's high there. Amen. God send this, God send that. But we still need to pray with wisdom sometimes. But more importantly, what we need to pay attention to is the force that either tries, number one, listen carefully, and there are two ways he, he acts in stopping us from entry. Number one, by trying to unsettle you in those areas God has settled you. There are areas that you are doing okay, but the enemy wants, I'm going to, I'm going to unsettle the person. And I'll give you a few examples as we go on. For instance, let me just take one very quickly. Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5. Beginning from verse 25 to 34, there was a story of a woman there who was normal until a particular time in her life and she was hit by a major problem. As far as we're concerned, she had that problem for just 12 years. What was the problem? She had an hemorrhagic disease. Now, people do assume that it could have been a gynecological problem. We don't know. But we knew she was having a hemorrhage. It could have been bleeding from the nose. It could have been you know, gynecological, it could have been any bleed. But this woman had a disease that made her to go from doctor to doctor until she found Dr. Jesus. Now, that woman was settled in that area until one day she became unsettled. Some of us were settled in our jobs until someday something happens where you may say it may be global, but at least you are being affected, you became unsettled. Some are settled in their marriage and they find that the first five years was okay. Then suddenly, they don't know where they came from and they became unsettled. There are some, your earth has been perfect. And I, I, I've been trusting God because I, I've made so much noise about it. And I know the confidence I have in the Lord will be fulfilled. I've trusted God. I said, I'm going to have great earth until my good old age. And it's been giving me great earth. I'm believing God for healing in some particularly obvious areas. But sometimes I find some niggly here and there. And I say, no, you're not going to unsettle me, devil. The promise of God is that I will enjoy good earth. When he healed me of a very advanced, you know, um, uh, ulcer, you know, 
I mean, I, so I shared that testimony with you before. I was, there was no way I should not have gone in for an operation within a month or two because when they did the x-ray, the passage in my, you know, in my testimony was so narrow that, you know, I would have qualified. Presto, that was the time I gave my life to Christ. Without knowing it, since then, I've been totally healed. Totally healed to the extent that I could fast as, li- as much as I like. I never have personal pain there. Neither did I bleed. Now, that same God that stopped the unsettling in that area should be able to set the unsettling settling in other areas. Is there somebody there with me? And so, we will look at that, you know, in a little bit of more. Then the other aspect of our lives is the areas that we have never known settlement. Those are the areas we've never entered into. And both are important. Maybe you are settled there and you're going to be, the enemy is trying to unsettle you. Some, since they were born, they were born into very difficult circumstances in their family lives. Born, in, you know, by parents who struggle with some substance abuse, drug or alcohol. And they grew up into that themselves. They never knew settlement. They never knew another life. And so, they've been believing God. They say, Lord, why can't my own family be like the family just across the road? Everybody, they live in normal life. At least not in this area that we are struggling. Now, God will also take us into those areas as well. For the first category, one or two things I want us to notice there. In this very short message, number one. If you will deal with the enemy that's trying to unsettle you in the areas that God has settled you, you must recognize there are areas of your life where you are settled. Does that make sense? Because many at times, if people have problems with finance, they behave as if there are not other areas of their life that are settled. And if you don't do that, what you end up doing is that you can leave your flank open. And in fact, the areas that you are settled in, you may as well lose it. Listen carefully to this. Someone is okay in his marriage, or is okay in a marriage. Then because there is no money, they act foolishly to the extent that the marriage now starts struggling. Because they never recognize they've been settled in that area. And I've seen it all too often. All too often. Someone whose earth has been perfect either too. And listen carefully now. Nobody's exempt. Earth has been perfect either too. And suddenly, you just discover that job is not, no longer available. And I wake up every night. Before I knew it, headaches started coming. Before I knew, blood pressure starts going up. Why do you want to search? Why don't you wake up and say, Lord, there's no job. But thank you. At least I'm okay. At least I'm healthy. And if you come in from the position of thanksgiving, you will be shocked how your area of strength will neutralize your area of weakness. There's something we always say. You know, when we have, I don't know, the best example I know is the life I've lived before. You know, and I'm not talking reincarnation, you understand. I mean, the life I lived as, you know, when, 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 when I was bivocational. And I remember very clearly that when you bring somebody back, you bring a patient back for a reoperation. now the scar tissue has been formed. There's a rule that we always maintain. You say, don't go through that scar. You can call the scar. We say, go from the known to the... Because the unknown is the area where scar has messed up. So you go from the normal area, that's why people worry, why are they giving me another incision or whatever? Where the reason is that if we go from where we don't know, all is messed up, it doesn't follow textbook anymore. Because scars, you know contorted and distorted and done everything. So you always go from the known to the unknown. There are known areas of your life. Focus on them. There are known areas of your life where you know you are okay. Why? Don't, don't take your eyes away from that. Celebrate where you are okay and leverage that into the areas that you are not okay. Can I hear amen onto that one? People have lost their spiritual life simply because they are mourning over 
Obvious things in their lives. I'm not saying you should not seek God to help you. But remember above all things, there are areas you are settled already. And you must safeguard those areas. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And remember, they say it does not rain. What does it do? It pours. So if something is just trickling as rain in your life, know that the plan of the enemy is for you to pour. So because suddenly someone is now, you know, a little bit of difficulty in your, in, your, in, your, in your day job. You know, you got, suddenly got a bad boss who is not cooperative. And then know that the devil is eventually wanting to affect every area of your life. He wants you to go back home disgruntled. And your spouse getting also say, I've had enough of this. And the children are also messed up. And of course, the finances is lost. Of course, the spiritual life is affected. Any area that is still not working in your life, we call it sequestrated. You know, that, that's not working. Just, just bring, put it on one side. The area that are working, allow them to work well. Am I making sense to somebody here? And that is very, very important if you will enjoy the fullness of what the Lord has said. In actual fact, the Bible tells me in Revelation chapter 3, verse 11, Revelation 3, 11, it says that we should take care. He said, behold, I'm coming to you. Behold fast, What? Please, it's on the screen. Shall we read together? Behold, please. There are things you have. Hold fast to them. There are things you have. That, and I, I can spend the whole day on this one. It's, it pains me when I see people throw away blessings. They just throw it away. They just get grumpy. They, they, never, they never wake up to celebrate, Lord, I thank you for these children. Because of money, don't lose those children. Because you can lose them. And it's very easy to transfer pain. Whether you like it or not. Sometimes, even children, they feel how the mother feels when they're still in the womb. Whatever comes your way, may God give you the wisdom to be able to sequestrate. And it's a major, not only life principle, it's a major leadership principle. I've just prayed about no, there should be no civil war. Fathers in homes, make sure you don't let one little problem spoil the rest. We call this, I, I'm bringing that word again. Know how, to, know how to pack something on one side that does not. He said, let there be no root of bitterness amongst you, whereby many what? Are spoiled. Any area that is bad in a place tends to affect other areas. I'm repeating it unto you. Whatever you are going through, remember other areas that are working must be safeguarded. Must be safeguarded and the Lord will help you. Now, number two reason before I move to my second point and then I close why you must. The first one is that recognize it and, and safeguard it. Number two reason why you must know that there are areas that are settled is that it is important that you do not overstretch yourself or try to press the advantage too far. Let me give you a good example. And I got it from watching um, Eden. Uh, I watch a lot of these uh, documentaries or whatever. And listen carefully to this story. It's so funny story. And it was about animals. Um, the biggest whale. Which one is... The, there, are, you know, there are different types of whales. Do we, we agree? All right. Um, which one is the biggest whale? No, actually, the blue whale is bigger. It's the spammy's nest. Yeah, the blue whale is usually bigger. All right, the blue whale can reach about 15 tons, they say, and it could be very long, probably longer than the whole of this hall. All right? Then the sperm whale. Now, the third category, also very big, is the hunchback. 
All right? Now, all these ways that I'm mentioning unto you, most of them, they are not very ferocious or very violent. Which one is the violent whale? Those of you that know whales. Eh? The killer whale, good, yes? <laughs> yes, yeah, the killer whale, that's the other day for, for it. The orca whale. They're not big, but actually, you know what? They eat other whales, even the bigger ones. And usually they try and go for the smaller one. There was this particular documentary I was watching. I learned a life, life lesson there. There's this, and they actually said the orca whales are the most intelligent of all animals in hunting together. The, the lions are about the most effective hunters, you know, arguably, but the most intelligent that can work together, almost like human beings, together are the, uh, the orca whales. And so O-R-C-A. And so these orca whales, they were, they were hunting in a pack of five. And the meat they were looking for was the child of a hunchback whale. And the hunchback whale, when they have their child, what they do is that they will back them, like, you know, in some tradition. So the, 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 the little whale will hang behind. We know whales are mammals, they're not fish, we know that. And so they can't survive underwater. So they're just like humans. The only thing is that their lungs are bigger and they can stay underwater longer than we do. So to cut the long story short, this little whale was behind the mother's back and was very gorgeous. And as it was swimming and coasting, beautiful, beautiful. You know, if I have money to go for exotic holidays, I don't mind those swimming with dolphins and things. Beautiful. And so as they were going, the orca whales, they were, they were hunting a pack of five, three on this side, two on this side, and they were just looking for a way. Now, they cannot get that because they themselves, they can't jump out of water and pick for some reason. So what they had to do is to make this child whale, the hunchback child whale, to fall into the water. As the child falls into the water, they would drown the, the, the little whale and then go and cannibalize and eat the, the, the whale. All right. But something good happened. And another and is saying there, in the day of help, may God said, in the day of need, may God send help to you. Amen. You know, animals too, God sent help to them. Suddenly, two hunchback males showed up from nowhere. And so they showed up, they then formed like a guard beside this mother hunchback with the baby at the back. So you see the orca, five of them, you know, swimming behind. You see the mother um, hunchback, the baby at the back, one guard here, another guard here. And they were cruising like that. Of course, they would have caught the few, I believe for miles. They were, just, they were just going. So they could do anything. So the orca got discolored. They said, no, we can't get this one. Because with a, with a flip of the tail, they will actually drown them too. So the, the, that, that's what they use. The, 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 um, the hunchback, that's what they would, they would just flick their wheel. And then they keep flipping, flipping, flipping. And once they keep you underwater for too long, you just drown. So that's their weapon. So they know they won't try. So what they decided to do, they just, they just left them. And so they were just majestically going like that. Beautiful baby on the back. Uh, brother or father. <laughs> Uncle, yeah, thank you, uncle there. And they were going. After a while, and the orcas have gone away, the uncles on the left and uncle on the right decided to say they were going to chase the orcas. Aha, you started sensing now. So the orcas have gone, they were chasing the orcas, and they were chasing them. By now, they have now left mother and baby exposed. And so, and the orcas, they swim faster than the hunchback. So before they knew it, the, un- the orcas made a swift turn, went straight for the exposed mother and child, 
troubled the waves of the, the, the water, and the child fell into the water. That was the last they showed us. Of course, that was dinner for them. Listen, sometimes don't press your advantage too far. You know, I know a person, even in business, doing business very well. Fantastic business. I've shared this with you many times. You know, they were doing all sales. They decided to overinvest. And the wholesale fell and the retail fell. Don't overstretch yourself by being God to anybody. These are simple life lessons. You know, many of you, you will go to any extent to help people even when you don't have the power to do it. I've told people before, I will help as far as the Lord will lead me to help. I'm not insensitive, but I'm not God. I don't help to the extent that in which I will hurt my primary responsibility. And some of you with connections to nations abroad and whatever, be very, very careful. I've also warned young couples before that when you marry, find time to jail in this quest of saying, mommy, mommy, daddy, 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 your own marriage may never come together. So don't press your advantage too far. Areas that you are settled, those four, father, mother, and two uncles, they were settled until they decided to unsettle themselves. And there are many examples in the Bible. There was a time that David, of all people, please turn to First Samuel chapter 29 for me. We read one or two verses there, and I close it with scripture for you to let you know that what I'm telling you about, be very careful that you don't overstretch yourself and lose the advantage you have. Because the enemy uses that. It's a good thing that the enemy will think you are doing, will tell you that you are doing, but at the end of the day, it's a lost tactics. First Samuel 29 verse, verse 11. I'm rushing a little bit now, okay? Okay, so David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Ah, that's not where I need. Okay. Um, yes, I, eh? I need, yes, chapter 29, verse 11. Let me just open it here for you. Uh, because of time, that's why I was cutting it. The story went like this. Go to verse 1. Let's start from verse. I'll just speak a few verses there for you. Then the Philistines gathered together all their armies at Afek, and the Israelites encamped by a fountain, which is in Jezreel. Okay? And then I go to verse um, 2. And the Lord of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed in review at the rear with Achish. Verse 3. Then the princes of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish, who was the king of Philistines, said to the princes of the Philistines, that is his generals and his top officials, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days, or these years? And to these days I have found no fault in him, since he defected to me. The story went like this. When Saul was chasing David, David ran to the a camp of the Philistines. You remember some of you that know the story, but that's how it went anyway. So he went to the camp of the Philistines. At the camp of the Philistines, they recognized him because he had just killed their champion, Goliath. We are aware of that. All right. There was a man called Goliath. He was the champion of the Philistines. He stood up one day and he said, you know what? We don't want to fight everybody. Army to army. We're going to fight what? One to one. And going to be champion against. Bring your champion and I face the champion. Once I win at Exod, absolutely. So I kill your champion, that's you lost. Anyway, 
Unfortunately for the Philistines, they lost. And who killed their champion? David, small boy David. And so this small boy David, unfortunately, fell out with his own king, Saul, who's supposed to have been their champion. And so he ran, and the first place he landed was Achish, which was a Philistine town. When he entered there, they identified him. They said, no, 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 no. Are you not the one? What are you doing here? So he was running from Frypan to... And so immediately they were going to apprehend him. So that was the play, place he played mad. And so he started scratching the wall and everything. But for some reason, the, the, the trick worked. So he was unsettled in his own country, got to the country of the Philistines, and he was what? Settled. Because from that time, Hakish said, this God has been with me and has never caused any trouble. But now see, that's the lesson I'm telling you now. Now see the error that David made. Where he was settled, he unsettled himself. He said, Philistines were going to war. Whom are they going to fight? They were going to fight Israel. And he said, I will go with you to fight Israel. And they were clever enough. They said, no, no, no. Allegiance can change. Blood sometimes is thicker than... So we're not going to allow you to go. And so he's gone out for the usual numbering and parade and everything. And so they sent him back and said, no, you can't go. So Akish said... I can't disobey my people because I, I, I don't want a civil war. You know, if my generals rise against me, that's me done. So, David, you have to go back. Do you all know that that was the genesis of the battle against the Amalekites in chapter 30? When they went back and go to chapter 30 for me. We tend to read chapter 30 in isolation, not knowing that David was his own undoing. The worst loss that David suffered was because he decided to unsettle himself. They didn't ask him to join them. He sat down. You are going to fight your people? Just pretend. And the Philistines had bothered enough. Verse 1, chapter 30, verse 1. I want to drive. Down. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day. Remember, 29, verse 11 was the last place we read. Okay? That the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. Verse 2. And I take it captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. Verse 3, stop, maybe verse 5. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Stop there. What did I say? If you don't know and recognize the areas of your strength, you will lick your flank open. And when you leave your flank open, then what happens is that. Of course, verse 4, finally. And then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Very interesting. Reason. Don't live where you are strong. Amen. All right? Because those examples are there for you to follow. Number two, the areas that God has prepared for you to enter into, you must march until you enter there. Life is war. Life is war. And there are hindrances to settling into your allocated place. But no matter the prophecy that is said before you, you need to fight it. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 18 no matter the prophecies that is said before, you need to fight to reach, to, to, to possess those blessings the Lord has said. What does he say? This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. You use prophecies to fight. If somebody prophesied unto you that the Lord asked me to tell you that you will be a great man financing the gospel, the battle has just started. 
that is what you now take to prayer and say, Lord, according to your word. Many immediately you hear prophecy, you start throwing parties. You said, the Lord said, I'll be very rich. So you went and borrowed money. <laughs> and you throw a party in anticipation <laughs> of the money. <laughs> it just started. The Lord said, you're going to be a man of great influence. You're going to bring many souls unto the Lord. Don't go and build a church building yet. Don't go and rent, um, you know, musical yet. Or buy instruments. If he says he's going to use you as a major force of revival, you go back to the place of prayer. And say, Lord, pour your fire upon me. You begin to evangelize. You begin to talk to people one by one. Whatever prophecy has been said about you, do warfare with them. And the place the Lord has ordained for you, there only you will enter. What is my assurance as I'm trying to close now? Luke chapter 10 verse 19. Behold, I give you. What does he give you? Good. What did he give you? Good. If you are given authority, what does it mean? It means you have permission. But if you have authority and the permission, what else do you do to make it happen? Power. We've done that before. Authority without power is what a child experiences. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. He said, even a child is just like a servant until he grows up, even though he is a prince. So, you have authority. We do. You have authority. I said, I want to quickly fast forward. God's with a few more things to say, but I believe I should drop this with you so that we can pray. Authority without power does not translate into success. And we carry authority. I have authority, but do I have power? Translation, the original Greek word for authority is what? We've done this study before. Ezusia is the other one. The, other, the, the, the word for power is... The, the word for authority is exousia. And there are two different words. And I can spend the whole day talking to you about it because many believers, we are where we are because we carry authority. I've been in places before. Nothing is changing for them. They keep telling me, I have authority. I say, yes, you do. But you have power. They don't. Because in Luke chapter 29, verse 49, Jesus Christ said, Luke 24, 49, he tells me something about issue of power, different from authority. For me to enter into my settlement, and this is the crunch now. Now I say, that the, no, 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 no. Luke 24, verse 49. Please, if we may. It's a well-known verse, but I'll just read it. Okay, you are there now. Now, behold, I send the promise of my father. Remember, I said every promise and prophecy you don't work with, you don't get it. You remember I mentioned that? And what did he say? What did the Lord said? Behold, I send what? The promise of my father upon you. But what do you do? In the city of Jesus, until you are with what? Prophecy given. Promise given. You need power. I want us to pray like no, ne, it's never done before today. That power will come. You understand what I'm saying? Power is not show. Power is raw. 
And with all the good things happening around you, if you don't know that all you need is power to push back the enemy, to insist that the promise of God will come to pass in our lives, we may miss a lot of whom the blessing the Lord has placed before us. We close again. We look chapter 10, verse 19, and then we will just pray briefly. And then we start going home just before 1 o'clock by God's grace. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Leave that on the screen. Don't take it away. What do serpents and scorpions do? They sting. They kill. Good. They poison. Good. Above all things, God forbid, we own this building by the grace of God. And we really own it. I can assure you about that. We own this building. If paradventure, somebody says, snake, 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 what will you do? Unless you're a vet. Even if you're a vet, you must be a snake charmer. That is your ground. But when you hear snake, what are you doing with that ground? Abandoning the ground. And so unless, so that you don't abandon what is your ground, what are you supposed to do to stake a scorpion? Kill them. And so anything in your life that we want to make you abandon what God has promised for you is a snake. Before it even stinks, you don't wait until poison. Poison is a long one. Once you are aware there's a snake situation in your life, something that is making you to run away from your blessing. Some people, it might be your personal anger. That's the snake. So don't look very far. Uh, many of the time when they say snake, you're looking at some witches somewhere or some wizards somewhere. Most of the snakes, they're resident snakes. And they know their way in the building. So many at times, and we all, we all, and it's, you know, if we are very sincere with ourselves, check your life. See what can constitute a snake. Some people is gossip. That is the snake in their lives. Their mouth. In actual fact, the Bible says the strength of the scorpion is in his tail. But the strength of the snake is in his mouth. So I go through the scripture. I remember this, the reference I will give you. Mouth. Anything that has to do that when you have moved on, what is trailing behind you is the scorpion situation in your life. Another day will give us a chance. I didn't want to exceed what I believe the Lord led me to do. We will have spent a lot of time more on this verse. But most importantly, he says, I'll give you the authority to trample on serpents and, and over all. Somebody say all. We did a message called all. Did anybody remember that message? Go and check the archives. It's one of the messages that blessed me most. That most, most difficult word, and most dangerous word in the scripture is what? All. When the Lord says, all sinners will not enter the kingdom of God. People don't believe. They don't understand all is all. When he says, all power of the enemy, we try to think all is not all. Once you understand all, as the scripture says it, your life is easy. And it says all the power of the enemy and nothing. What is the opposite of all? Nothing. And when the Bible uses it, by two witnesses, everything shall be established. And nothing shall by 
enemies hurt you. These are powerful words. And today, I want your faith to rise with mine. And say, in the name that's above all names, scorpions and serpents in my life shall be trampled upon. And nothing shall hurt me. Maybe you are hurting at the moment. The Lord will soothe our hurt. Maybe some things that you've been unsettled and dislodged from the place the Lord has put you before, the Lord will resettle us there. And please, above all things, remember that the greatest thing the Lord is asking from us is our heart. It's not part of the message, but the Lord brought that to my memory, to my consciousness this morning. Those children were singing yesterday. One of the most profound songs they sang. I think, was it a solo? And that uh, he said, uh, that uh, if I have a sheep, if I have a, if I'm a shepherd, I'll give you. Is that a solo? Is that the one that uh, I dear sang? Fantastic. And she sang it so well with so much grace and anointing. The thing sank in. He said, what was the conclusion? My heart, I'll give you my heart. Please, don't let this thing settle in your head. Let it go to your heart. The greatest challenge in the church. Do you know what? Some people, their heads are very correct, but their hearts are not correct. Some people, they can strew everything together, and it's good to have a good head. Oh, perfect. But in the spiritual things, the greatest enemy of the heart can be the head. The head is telling me that the problem I'm facing is unsolvable. What is the heart telling you? Let's give our hearts unto the Lord and let him work on our hearts. I don't bother winning arguments anymore. You know why? If my heart is all right. Because out of the belly of him shall flow rivers of living water. What is your heart? Where is your heart? So it's not money that I'm going to give God. What about my heart? It's not even my arguments. It's not my skills. Is my heart right? Can I wake up and say, Lord, fix my heart? Those are the prayers that I pray. Usually, and I pray to be a daily until I see Jesus. Sometimes two hours with tears in my heart, touch my heart. And I believe you, by the special grace of God, my heart is very far from where it used to be. Where is your heart? Is it, is it neat unto the Lord? Or is it just show? Externality is for a moment. What drives a thing is the heart. That's what I've mentioned to you before. If someone comes to this room with a bad heart, if you leave him here for two hours, and it's very powerful, negative heart, I, people call it spirit. I can guarantee you, before we all leave here, those that have not got commensurate, stronger hearts to deal with it, you'll be thinking like that person. People have entered the room before. I shook hands with somebody before. I started thinking the way I never thought before. I went back and found the history that the person had a particular aid problem that I started thinking like. I said, wow, just a handshake. Heart. The heart of man is powerful. That is the seat of our strength. If one thing you must keep supple and soft and tender and right and clean is the heart. We will pray, brethren, that today, that power we distill on my heart. We distill on your heart. Our hearts shall be right. You can deceive me with your word, but God sees the heart. 
You know, people can deceive. That's why I don't listen to arguments anymore. By special grace of God, I mean, I, you know, I'm in a position now in which I hear so many stories. You know, two people tell me two different stories. And on the surface, the two stories look alike. But they put their own little slant upon it so that when I wait, I wait in this way or wait in their favor. You know what I'm talking about? If you're not an astute listener, you will say, on the surface of it, then we left home. When we left home, then we entered the car. As we sat down in the car. The other one we also say, you know, as we left home, as we are going, and as we are opening the door, we just, you know, bump into the car. No, one say we sat in the car. One one say we just, you know, jump into the car. Little difference. And the one that said we jump into the car is trying to tell you that, you know, it was because it was honoring me. All sorts of these human, human beings. I don't, I don't, I don't know accusing you. If you don't learn to take your heart to the Lord, one, one we just find out at the end of the day, Jesus will say, I never knew you. And what, what I used to tell people is, I don't, I don't even care where you are. You know what I care about? Where you are facing. That's why most importantly, the issue of vision, when you are following things, you may blink, we all do blink, but don't turn your head. Do you get the difference? You know, I say, I'm going that place. Okay, sure we be. I may even doze off. I may blink. Because nobody can actually keep 100% ability to keep your eye on the vision. One thing you must know is to do what? Don't turn your head. That's why we have rear view mirror. Do you know the word of difference between you using your phone and you using the car keypad, if you have all those car keypads to, 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 to phone? It's a word of difference. You look one second away onto your phone, and you press, or you are touching dials on your car, it's a lot safer. They know because your head is here. The difference is not even where, if you can do like this, you see crash. Rather than keep your head, where is your head? Where is your head? I don't care whether your eyes are open or closed. Where is your head? Where, 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 where are you facing? I see a man facing heaven, no matter whatever, or a woman facing them, no matter what I see about the way, you know, he blinks or does not blink, I don't worry. But where are you and I can see a person facing hell. And he may have his eyes wide open. He's only looking at the wrong direction. Somebody says, if you are facing the wrong direction and going faster, you will only reach there quicker. When you are facing the wrong direction, what do you do? That's a word the Bible uses that we don't use anymore. He said, and the, and the Lord turned their hearts. He said, and the Lord turned their hearts. I've seen people's hearts turn before. Simple hearts turn before in which they woke up in the morning, they said, this matter, I will not agree this person until I fight him unto death. When they're going to bed at night, they pick the phone and call. What happened? The Lord. And how, where does he turn it? In the place of prayer. I spend more time praying for people now. I'm getting old. Ah, what's really old? You can laugh as much as you like. You are getting old too. <laughs> At least Ruben is getting old. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brethren, I have permission of the Lord that we pray that our first prayer point today. Touch my heart, O oh God. Because with your heart, there's nothing that can be withheld from us. Let's rise on our feet as we have just prayed.
hopefully another three, four minutes should be able to be done. And please write them down and continue to pray about them or try and remember them if you don't write down. Try and remember them. to your prayer. Lord, change my heart. Turn my heart, oh God. Because your plan and your promises for me is that I will enter my place of settlement. That I will enter the place that you have planned and ordained for me. I don't know how pure, how okay your heart is. Still ask God to make it to be more like his heart. At least you can be more settled there than you have ever been or you've ever been. Lord, touch our hearts, oh God. Touch our hearts. Help us to be like you, to be able to tolerate one another, to be able to love one another, to be able to fight, you know, one with one another, not to fight one another. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. You say, Father, endure me with power so that I can exercise the authority you have given me. Father, fill me with power. Father, saturate me with power so that I may be able to exercise the authority you have given unto me in the name of Jesus. Turn that into your prayer very briefly. That the Lord will empower us. We shall not just be all noise, every one of us, but there will be commensurate power that we follow, that will be commensurate power. I know I have the authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions, but the needed power, oh Lord, to trample upon them, grant unto me in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Finally, we say, in the name of Jesus. I shall not perish in the wilderness of life. Did you understand that one? 
wilderness, if you use the story of the children of Israel, they left a place where they were slaves and unsettled, and God promised to take them to a place they would be settled. But between the unsettled place and the settled place, there was this wilderness. But many of them did not reach the place of settlement. They died in the... And every one of us, there is a wilderness to our lives. That journey is called wilderness. The wilderness of bad health. The wilderness of insufficient materials. The wilderness of marriage. Of course, the ultimate wilderness is the old world. And our Canaan is heaven. The Canaan of all the blessings the Lord has ordained for us here on earth. You will reach there. I said you will reach there. It will not just be story of I am going, never reaching. It's always nearly there. But there is an entering and there is a settling that needs to take place. In the name of Jesus. We'll pray together in the name of Jesus. I shall not perish in the wilderness of life. I shall reach my Canaan. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice, the Canaan of good health, so that you will not die a creeper in the, in, the, in the Canaan of financial success, Canaan of emotional well-being, Canaan of good marriage, Canaan of success in the life of your children, Canaan of the glorious home in heaven. Your journey shall not be a perpetual journey. There shall be a destination that you will enter in the name that's above all names. Yes, Lord, I shall not perish in the wilderness. It shall not just be run, run, run without rest, rest. It shall not just be journey, journey, journey without home, home, home. There is a home after a journey. There is a destination. There is a settlement. Lord, take us our place of settling. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Rock of Ages, we thank you. In the myriads of utterances this afternoon, I know you've spoken to your children individually. And I'm trusting, Lord, that the birds of the air, they will not snatch these words away. These words, they will grow. They will germinate. And they will bring forth abundance of fruit in the name of Jesus. None of us shall die in the wilderness of life. Home we shall reach. Our destination and our settlement we shall reach in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I pray specifically for those that are overreaching. Give them wisdom. To know where to say yes and where to say no. There are some listening to me, whether here or remotely. You've come to the point of giving up. And the word of the Lord has come unto you today. Rise up and walk. Say, rise up and walk again. And that pain and shame shall disappear from your life. That which is hid unto man, the Lord is revealing to you now. 
You've hidden it. You, you, you've, you, you've hidden it away from men, from human beings for years. That even you yourself, you don't know that's your problem anymore. But the Lord is unveiling it to you now. Not to shame you. You know what? It's to help you. Receive help right now. And be turned around. Father, we pray. As we've been praying. Irrespective of how far you have taken us on this journey. Let every one of us cross to the new year. With songs of joy on our lips in the name of the Lord Jesus. You will sorrow no more. Receive the joy of the Lord. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Indescribable joy shall be your portion in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Christ shall be exalted in your life. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you all the honor and glory. Jesus' mighty name we pray. Give praise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. And please be seated. Please be seated. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.